Hey there, this is the His Beloved Podcast with Kendra Bartlett and Megan Copeland, and we are so glad you are here. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Hi. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, this is kind of the continuation. Go back and listen. But this is the first episode of Find Your Fire. Find Your Fire. I'm in a singing mood today. (laughs) (laughs) So... For those of you, Megan has already braced herself because I've been singing, walking around here. Um, but I might just bust out in song. Yeah, she just has a deep need I to sing. I have like, awake my soul and sing. <laughs> that's that's in my head right now. So you know, it's funny because I feel like God has given us this like deep love for worship and uh-huh. deep love for singing, but like neither one <laughs> of us are singing. <laughs> Although I've we heard don't you have sing, and you have a nice voice. Do I? I don't yeah, think so. My yeah. daughters can yeah. sing. Yeah, yeah they can. They can. That's so funny. Okay, so here we are. We're, we're going to jump right in, you guys. And we've been praying over this podcast um, for a while. It's been in our hearts for a while, for yeah. a very long time, actually. But really deeply, intentionally praying for this specific one um, past couple of days. And I tell you what, y'all, I am empty and blank. <laughs> and it's so funny because um, identity is something that is so close to mine and Megan's hearts. Yeah. Um, and, and so I texted Megan this morning. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I have. And Megan's like, it's okay. I got it. So the Holy Spirit <laughs> is completely um, orchestrating this. And I love it when this happens mm-hmm. because um, Megan just brings it. And so I'm excited. Mm. She hasn't told me everything that God has put in her heart. So I mean, I'm excited to hear I don't it. even know what I'm going to say. We'll see. The <laughs> yeah. Lord is, uh, that's the most beautiful thing is when, when God just speaks. Yeah. And yeah. there's such a, um, a genuineness to it Yeah, and a beauty. And you can tell that it's not either of us. Yeah. So here we so go. This is the Holy Spirit's this time is, to shine. Here we go. This is a chance for the Lord to speak to the hearts of these listeners. Yes. And um, I fully feel like there are people out there right now who desperately need to hear this message. So I just hope mm. that your hearts are opened. I hope that you can receive um, what we have for today. Yeah. So so today we're going to talk about identity. And it's funny because, as Kendra said, identity has been a big part of our ministry for a long time. Yeah. We named our, our ministry His Beloved because we were so um, just determined to show women that they are the beloved. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so to be anchored in that. Yes, to be yeah. anchored in that. And so we've talked about it a bunch. And we're going to go on a little bit of a different way with it today. But... We've just been talking about lately how identity is, it's, it's such a problem right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it always has been. I was reading scripture today and I thought, you know, even in, in Bible times, people were so wounded in their identity. Yeah. They did not know who they were yeah. and who created them. And, and it's just snowballed. Mm-hmm. And I believe so many of our problems in the world right now are because we just don't know who we are and whose we are. And so if we can ground people and ground ourselves, our own hearts, in the fact that we are the beloved of God. Like He created us, He knows us, He desires us. Yeah. Then the rest of the world doesn't seem to matter as much. Um, yeah. The the story of Jesus's baptism has really been stirring in my heart a lot. Um, in our encounter class, they had us really dive into that a bit this past week. And you know, when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened, and God said, "This is my beloved Son, and you know, with whom I am well pleased." And um, and Jesus didn't have to be baptized. Like he mm. did it to pave the way for us. And when we are baptized, that is when our belovedness is spoken over us, mm. you know? And then immediately um, he's led to go into the desert to be tempted. And the first thing Satan tempts him with is his identity. Like prove to me that you're the son of God. Right? And 
Um, and so of course what we're seeing today and what it, I mean throughout all of history um, is Satan attacking our identity and mm-hmm. making us question and doubt and um, and and it's not even I would say it's not even as blatant as you know what Satan did to Jesus in the desert um, but it's this subtle smoke and mirrors twisting things um, to make us reach out and think our identity is in the sport we play or think our identity is Mm -hmm. in our motherhood, being a wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Think our identity is in our relationship, who we're attracted to. Or what we can do. What we can do. How much we can earn. Yes, it's performance-based. It's all performance-based. Yeah. Well, and what I think is so profound about that scripture is whenever we are drawn near to the Lord, that's when Satan wants to attack our identity the most. Mm -hmm. And when we did that um, little poll last week about who has had an experience with God, so many people said yes, but they said it had been over a year. And so it's like going back to that place of first love and of remembering that moment when he looked at you and said, you are my beloved, Mm -hmm. and then anchoring yourself in that place and not letting the attacks of the enemy come in and try to make you doubt it. Yeah. Because that's what he's going to do. He's going to say you're not worthy. He's going to say God doesn't love you. He's going to say you have to earn it. Yeah. And he's going to say you're failing at everything. And every single one of those things is a lie. Yeah. Not a single one of them is true. I um, was quickly trying to look up over here. So, you know, the, in Dr. Bob Schutz, he has um, the seven deadly wounds. And then there are sacraments that fill those seven yes. deadly wounds. And I was always getting mixed up. So I was trying to remember which one was which. But let's see. If, oh, I pulled it up really fast. Okay. So there's abandonment and rejection are two of the seven deadly wounds. And I think those are a big part of identity. And, and it totally makes sense to me that if we feel abandoned, the antidote to that is baptism. Mm-hmm. Because baptism says you are chosen you are wanted, you are desired, you are part of a family. You are mine. You are mine. Like yeah. I'm bringing you into this community with me. You are no longer alone. Yeah. And in fact, you never have been alone. But right now you are mine and I am choosing you. And I think so much with identity is we try to earn something that was freely given to us. Mm. And in baptism, we didn't earn anything. In fact, we were too little to even, most of us, to mm-hmm. even try to earn anything. But God gave us this free gift of grace, and our job is to receive that. Yeah. And the other one that, that speaks to identity to me is rejection. And so often we can feel rejected by the world, we can feel rejected by family members, and and it totally makes sense to me that the place that we should go in this state of rejection is to the Eucharist, because yeah. that is where God is sitting at there eye to eye with us. Like, Can you imagine just going to adoration and looking at him and letting him say, you're not rejected. Mm-hmm. I never rejected. This is who you truly are. The, what you're hearing right now, those are lies. And none of that has any foundation in your character, in your value, and in who you are. You are mine. And I think if we could just remember those three words, you are mine, yeah. the rest of this would be so much easier. Yeah. Do you want to share the rest of the wounds with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... There's seven deadly sins, which I'm sure um, you guys are familiar with. And there's also seven deadly wounds, um, which I feel like isn't really talked about as much as the sins. But um, there's abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. And they can all be 
counteracted, I guess, or healed Mm -hmm. with a different sacrament. And it's really beautiful. So if, if any of that speaks to you, I want to encourage you, even though we're not speaking about all of those right now, um, I want to encourage you to pray into that, um, Mm -hmm. seek healing prayer, talk to a priest, um, message us. Maybe we can help journey through those, but, um, and the book be transformed. Yeah. The book, yeah. Step by step Step step, through how the sacraments heal all this. But I feel like with identity right now, like our world is so, like we're just so lost. Yeah. We don't have any rooting, any grounding in who we are. And I can tell you this from, you know, my own personal experience. I was one of those kids that was just seeking and just hoping and just waiting for someone to notice me mm-hmm. and waiting for someone to care. And it's funny because the past 24 hours, the Lord has really put the word belonging on my heart mm. and that people are seeking a place of belonging. And, you know, um, the terrible Oxycontin mm-hmm. um, crisis that happened in America over the last 10 years or so. I was watching a documentary the other day about that, and they said that Oxycontin, you know, it's it's the love hormone that you receive mm. whenever you are have a new baby. Mm-hmm. Remember that feeling mm-hmm. of like yeah. of like tingles in your heart every time you touch the baby or if you're nursing yeah. the baby? And so it's this love hormone that's meant to, it's oxytocin is what it is. Yeah. It's meant to bond. Yeah. So Oxycontin makes you feel that love hormone. Oh, And so they wow. said it is the drug of belonging. Wow. Oh, It my is word. a drug for an entire generation yeah. who feel like they don't belong. Ooh. And so then they take this medicine mm-hmm. because they have that feeling, that moment of, I finally have a place to be mm-hmm. and I can rest in this. Mm-hmm. And, and Isn't that addicted. the devil mocking I mean, tell me about creation. it. Like wow. how... Awful is that? Yeah. And then I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Katie Prejean McGrady. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her Ascension Presents. And Father Rob Galea was on there. Have you ever heard him uh-uh. talk? No. So he, he's been on Catherine Whitaker's um, Instagram. And stuff oh, okay. She's not, like done live with him. But he is a priest in Australia. And he has this like amazing story of being involved in a gang. And then um, having... Wow. Yeah. And he's young and he, he plays like in a band. Like he's, he's really cool. <laughs> but so he's telling a story about when he first joined the gang and he was like maybe 15 or so he'd run away from home he felt like he didn't have anybody that cared for him even though his parents greatly mm-hmm. did but he mm-hmm. didn't like receive it in the right way and uh, he's telling the story about this moment where they were kind of saying like do you want to be part of us is do, does this you know are you yeah. cool enough kind of to be with us and um, they told him to take this hat off of somebody's head and he was like yeah I kind of like that hat I'm gonna take that hat and um and the story was so, I, I don't know. I'm very weird about fighting. Mm-hmm. I have like this very tender place in my heart where fighting like really hurts me. Yeah. And I, I like almost got nauseous hearing the story. Like that's how deep and heartbreaking it was. So basically they take that, he takes the hat off of, of their head and the, the other friends come behind him and just <sighs> attack this man. Oh. And that broke my heart. I was like, <gasps> like I can't. Attack the man who they took the hat off yeah, of? Yeah, just this random guy oh. who was like at Burger King, oh. minding his own business. Yeah. And he said in that moment, though, he said he'd always been the kind of kid who like loved others and he even got an award for serving. But in that moment, he felt belonging. Wow. He felt like he belonged somewhere. Like uh-huh. these guys love me enough to beat up that guy. Wow. So we're searching for this love. Like yeah. we don't know where to get it from. Yeah. And the world can't offer it. Right. They just can't. And nobody in a, in a high school is able to love another the way that we were mm-hmm. intended to be loved because we were created with that need for yeah. belonging. And because there's such an identity crisis, it's proof that we are created and wired 
for the belonging yes. of God the Father. We need that. Yeah. And nothing we else will fill it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And um and then another part of belonging that stood out to me yesterday is we were in our um, small group for encounter and we were talking about um, the call of Peter and James and mm-hmm. John and how Jesus went up to them and said, you know, come follow me, come be fishers of men. And, um, and in our group, that it was really neat because people are all over the world. We have a priest and we have this um, guy from London and, and, he, and I said, what do you think? Like what made him them follow him? Mm-hmm. That the priest was asking that question, and I said, "Well, there must have just been something different. Like there must have been something so shocking about who he was or the way he spoke to them. Like I just picture he must have looked yeah. at them maybe for the first time in their lives in a way that they'd never been looked at before." And the guy from London said, "I think it gave him a place to belong. Mm. They felt like they mattered." Yeah. And, and it was probably their first time to be seen and known. And it was so shocking and mind blowing for them that they dropped their nets and gave up their whole lives and followed yeah. him. Like that's the kind of love we're talking about. Yeah. Like it's a love unlike Deep. anything we've ever experienced here on earth. And, and he's just waiting to give that to us, Yeah. but we don't know how to yeah. receive it. Yeah. And so instead our, our world is just constantly seeking that. And then we fill that with like trying to earn his love, mm-hmm. right? And and I think there's also this lie that, that creeps into our, our heads that says you don't deserve his love or you haven't done enough mm-hmm. or when you are at this level of Catholicism or Christianity, then maybe you'll receive his love. Or because you did yet. this yes. in the past, you can't do it. You the can't shame. receive this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're filled with shame. It's a, it's with the reason guilt. it's a deadly wound is shame. Yeah, shame. It's a yeah. huge deadly wound. What, what was the um, antidote for? Oh, it's reconciliation. reconciliation. I have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. I know that one. <laughs> the antidote yes. for shame is reconciliation. Yeah. I would also say the antidote to that is renouncing. Yeah. Because you can go to reconciliation over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. And ask for forgiveness and never fully receive the forgiveness because we are stopping it in our own heart. Yeah. So it's actually receiving that grace and saying, I, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the shame Yeah. and send it to the foot of the cross and then actually letting it go and not picking it back up Yeah. is what we need to do. Okay. So speaking of shame and guilt, um, that's a fun segue. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to me, it kind of is. I love to see the way that like the Lord... (laughs) The way the Lord redeems shame and guilt mm-hmm. and the way he says you matter even when we don't think we matter. That's yes. kind of my favorite. Yeah. It's my life. I mean, it's, it's my story in a nutshell is that um, I was very lost, very broken, constantly seeking um, approval from others. And part of that may have been because I was a child actress and mm. you have to get approval from other people and right, you know, yeah. constantly told you're not good enough. You don't look right. You're not this. You're not that. Um, and then also just a lot of brokenness in my family and not ever being told about the love of God at a young age. But then it turned into um, school and constantly trying to fit in with the next this crowd right, and never yeah. feeling like I quite fit in. And, and then allowing boys to be the um, yeah. the standard for which I live by, you know, do yeah. I fit in with this guy and like abusive relationships in high school and just you name it, I've been there. And yeah. so, um, so this story means a lot to me uh, the first time I heard it. It's from the book of Hosea, which is not a book that we talk about a lot. No, right. Yeah. The first time I heard it on a podcast, I was like, where is that story in the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Why have I never heard this? Um, 
And Hosea is a prophet. He's one of the minor prophets. And, you know, when God chooses a prophet, he usually chooses someone who he, um, you know, a man after his own heart, someone yeah. he trusts. And they're not always perfect, but definitely someone with um, moral um, standards. And um, so he, he goes to Hosea and he says to Hosea, I'm going to choose a wife for you. And, you know, you kind of think Hosea would probably end up with like a really great wife, you know, yeah. someone who also loves the Lord and wants yeah. to run hard towards God together. And he probably got really giddy, like, oh, yes, God, yes, you do that. Like, let's do that. <laughs> I mean, if you think about like, if you think about the way that God loves you and desires what's good for your heart, and, and that would be what he thought, um, but it's not what the Lord told him. And in fact, um, he was pretty honest and upfront with him and said, I'm going to choose a wife for you that is a prostitute, mm-hmm. one who is broken who has been through so much shame, so much heartache. And to be really honest, she probably went through all that shame and heartache as an adult because she received a lot of that as a child. I mean, her wounds probably put her in this place of not being able to escape um, the life that she had been given. And so she was a very broken woman. And he said, I want you to marry her and I want you to have children with her. And then she's going to break your heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the priest on my call yesterday was like, I need to be better about just saying yes to God. Like, how do you just say yes? How do you say yes to that? Right. But the very next sentence is, and then he went. <laughs> like, he just <laughs> went. Yeah. And, and there's something beautiful about that too. But there's more to this story. So it's not just about a man named Hosea and this woman, Gomer, that he um, marries. It is a true story that is a type for Jesus. It's a symbol that brings us back to the love of God. And during this time period, the Israelites, as they often do, had turned away from God. And, and you know, these are the people that God had split the Red Sea for. He had, you know, shown them immense, immense love. Manna from heaven. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he, he had cared for their water every... Water from the rock. Yeah, water from the rock. Like their yeah. every need. And yet they're human. And they would turn away from him, as we all do. And so this story is a story of the first love. Mm. It's a returning to your first love. And it's God saying, you are my first love, and I desire you to return your heart back to me. And um, and so he sends uh, Hosea to Gomer's house. I always want to like mix those up and make Hosea the girl and Gomer the boy. I know, right? Yeah. I think as a Gomer pile, like it really messes with my brain. Anyways, <laughs> Go- Gomer is the woman. So he goes to Gomer's house and... Um, and he says to her, I'm here to marry you. And I can't imagine the way she must have received that. She must have been like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, you're, you're so confused. That's right. not how this works. Didn't her dad answer, answer the door Well, I think that was the story or... that we heard that way. It yeah. doesn't really say okay. that in scripture. Oh, okay, I think that okay. was like a, um, a, an artistic oh, okay, take on it. it. it but yeah, it. I mean, you can kind of picture okay. like her dad answering the door. <laughs> yeah. and And him being kind of like... Are you sure? Yeah. Like this man, this prophet in the town is here for my daughter. Yeah. And and I would think even she would have felt that way too. Of right. Like, for sure. I mean, are you going to pay me? Is this a, a transaction? Mm. And he's like, no, this is not transactional. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking for, I'm not using you in any way. In fact, I'm here to just love you. Yeah. And, and he came to her with this great love and it didn't matter what she'd done in her past. And it didn't matter maybe even the whispers they heard when they walked through town or, you know, the heartache that had come with her. 
all he cared about was her and her heart. Yeah. And, um, and so he marries her and they have several children who have the saddest names. They're like, not mine. And, um, Oh, they're just these really sad names. Yeah. And and so the story goes that um, some of the children were his and some of them were most mm. likely um, from adultery. And so she breaks his heart. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that moment where the Israelites have turned away. And when you go back and read the scripture, there were three things that um, the Lord was saying to them as part of this story. They had basically stopped trusting him. They'd stop trusting them with their safety. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were, you know, trying to fight their own battles. They were trying to go to war on their own and they had stopped trusting them with their fertility, which I thought mm, was so, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with what we've been talking about with Humana Vitae. Right. Like they were going to these gods of Baal to mm-hmm. receive fertility wow. and, um, and they just stopped surrendering their hearts to him. Yeah. And so those are the three things he desired so desperate, desperately was for them to trust him with their entire lives, with their safety, with their fertility, and with their hearts. Mm. And um, so back to the story of um, Hosea, um, Gomer leaves. Mm. She leaves him with the children, and um, she goes back to her old way of life. And, and you know, you probably think, like, in her mind, she screwed up. It, she is too far yeah. gone. No one can shame ever love totally her anymore. drove that decision. Right. The yeah. shame, the lies in her head that said you don't matter. He right. couldn't possibly love you anymore. Right. Drove her away. And her even probably thinking like, okay, I tried to be good. Oh, and I failed. I tried. Like, I'm not good enough. I didn't make it. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I've given up any chance of being with this man. Right. He's, he's yeah. done with me. And, uh, but of course, that's not the way the Lord works. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that he was constantly pursuing Israel and constantly saying, just turn back to your first love. I'm mm-hmm. right here. I'm waiting for your heart. Um, Hosea pursues Gomer and, um, she goes out and is living a terribly painful life. And, you know, during that time period, if you didn't have a husband or some way to make money, then you basically end up destitute and on the streets. And so she did. And then she finds herself being sold into slavery, which I'm assuming would be like some sort of sex slavery, yeah. if we're being really honest. And um, this part's not in scripture, but um, during that time period, if you were going to, you know, like an auction of a slave auction, it was done in the middle of town mm-hmm. and in a very, very degrading way. So women were put up on these, um, you know, boxes and stripped down and basically treated like cattle Yeah. Um, while men yelled and yeah. harassed and called them names and picked them apart and just completely stripped them of any dignity yeah. that they may hold. And um, so this is where we find Gomer. She's up on one of these boxes and she's feeling like there is nowhere else she can go. She has fallen so far mm. that she can't, she can't be picked back up. And then out in the crowd, there is Hosea. And Hosea says, I will buy her. I will pay every penny I have to my name because she is mine. And I desire her. And it doesn't matter. And the the way that he's saying she is mine is so counteractive of what the men 
around mm, were saying. Yes. They wanted to say she is mine because of what she looks like, because of what she can do, because of yes. what, what she can give them. The property. Yes, She's the my property, property. Right. And he steps into the fold and says, no, she is mine. She's my beloved. She's, she's my, my beloved. Wife. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Yeah, she's oh. my beloved. And what I think is really beautiful about that is if you go back to the scripture, the interspersed with this story of Hosea and Gomer is this letter from the Lord to his people. And wow. so it's kind of written a little, you know, sometimes Old Testament can be a little scary. Yes. <laughs> it's a little, a little intense, that God, sometimes. Um, so it starts out with this really intenseness of like, I'm going to strip you away. I'm going to strip away everything that is um, around you. And it mm-hmm. even says strip her down to naked, which is wow. what happens with Hosea. Gomer. See, I can't. I know. I can't. We call her Jomer. <laughs> that sounds fancier. <laughs> so, so, but what he's saying is I'm going to strip away everything that makes you turn away from me. Mm. Anything that makes you forget who you are and whose you are, I'm taking out of your life. Wow. Because I want to be front and center. And then it says, um, I will betroth you to me forever. And a betrothal, you know, we hear that a lot in like mm-hmm, the um, mm-hmm. story of Jesus and Joseph, Mary and Joseph. Yeah. Sorry. But the betrothal was the moment when, when um, two people were going to get married where the father of the bride gave his dowry oh, to wow. the groom. Uh-huh. You know, his dowry is this, this payment for this bride. Mm-hmm. And so God is saying, I'm going to pay the ultimate price for you mm-hmm. because you are my beloved. Mm. And that ultimate price was Jesus' life on the cross. It was yeah. his son giving up everything so that we could receive because I think that's part of the problem with the Israelites. It wasn't that God wasn't pursuing them. They just couldn't receive it. Right, yeah. They hadn't had it's, the experience of him sending his son to die for, for them. Right. And the experience of the heavens opening up and receiving you know, his people. And they hadn't been given the Holy Spirit like we have. Right, right, And right. so they really, and they hadn't been able to be forgiven of sins either. So uh-huh. they, there was a lot of blockage in the way. It was kind of like a usage relationship, right? Yeah. Like the Israelites turned to him whenever he did something good for them. Right. Yeah. But then the minute there was a little bit of, um, desolation, they would turn to the They'd golden run. calf or they would turn to the gods of Baal yeah. or whatever, you know? Well, and they also had very much a performance mentality. Right. Yeah. I have to do, do, do more, more, more in order to receive love. And that's what I think is so beautiful about this story is she didn't earn anything. Yeah. She couldn't have. There was nothing in her that could have earned his love like that because she had fallen so far, mm-hmm. because she had then broken his heart again for him to come after her and pay that dowry for her and to say, I'm going to give up my whole life savings because you're worth more than anything I have. Mm-hmm. That is the love of the father. Yeah. That is the way the father pursues us. That is the way he just repeatedly over and over says, come back to me. Yeah. Turn away from that sin. Go and be forgiven. Shame, you know, sin no more. Be in shame no more. Mm-hmm. And rest in who you are and what I created you to be. Yeah. You are my daughter in whom I put a crown of jewels on your head. And I tell you that you are worth more than anything in this world. Yeah. And I think sometimes the reason we struggle with that is we think, well, he can't possibly be saying that to all of us. Right, yeah. He can't possibly love me as much as he loves so-and-so over there. Mm-hmm. But he does. Yeah. He's God. Yeah. He can do anything. And he can love you that deeply. Yeah, yeah. That was beautiful, Megan. Something that's going through my mind is just this image of 
him walking up and and saying, you know, I will, she's mine. What a generational impact that made mm. because his children witnessed her coming home. His children witnessed him mm. forgiving her and bringing her back into the fold. And this um, sacrificial love of sacrificing his pride and his hurt mm-hmm. for authentic truth and beauty, right? And, mm-hmm. and authentic love. And what a generational impact that probably made on on their children. Yeah, and an example to all of them of God's yeah. great love. Mm-hmm. Because here he is, his prophet, and he's mm-hmm. trying to turn people back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so um, Father Mike Schmidt said some people, some prophets would just like hear a message and tell a message, and then others actually had to live it. Oh, wow. So he wow. is one. Yeah, that makes and sense. I find myself in that second category of like, we're going <laughs> right. to live through what it means to suffer and to trust yes. the Lord. Okay, then yes. you can tell people what yeah. it means to suffer yeah. and trust the Lord. Yeah. It's like, okay, I get that. I yeah. feel that in my bones. So, but his living witness, his living example of this is such a model for the people mm. around him, right? And then he's able to, to preach this yeah. you know, message to, to the people. Mm. So where do we go from here? What does this look like? Um, I, I hope that you see yourself a little bit in Gomer. Mm-hmm. Maybe you haven't fallen as far as Gomer, but maybe you have um, spent your life striving. Maybe you've always been the good girl. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't fit, feel like you connect with her at all like I do, but you still had a moment of first love. And, and maybe you still kind of wandered away and felt like you didn't deserve to live in that place of deep love and deep intimacy. And he's calling you home. Mm-hmm. He's calling you back to that place because it's all he ever dreamed of. It's all he ever desired was to be in deep, intimate relationship with us like he was with Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to go back to the image of, in the cool of the night, you come and meet me. We can walk hand to hand in the garden mm-hmm. and that his love just flows through the garden. And I just kind of have this image in my mind of this whirling, twirling spirit flowing through Adam and Eve and, and the depth and relationship that they had with the Lord. Yeah. yeah. That is what he desires now. Yeah. And of course, in a fallen world, it's so much harder, but he's still pursuing that mm. in each and every one of us. And Kendra's going to lead us in a, an opportunity to just receive that right now. Yeah. So if you're driving, maybe pull over. <laughs> <laughs> or pause the podcast. <laughs> That's, I mean, roll. <laughs> just pull over. You're so funny. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're driving or doing something, if you can't stop what you're doing, um, put yourself in a place of just receptivity. Whatever is going on in your mind, ask the Holy Spirit to quiet. Turn the volume down of the world. Turn the volume down of life. Turn the volume down of everything that's um, tugging at your heart, tugging at your time, tugging at your energy. And I want you to open your hands. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I want you to see yourself doing something um, 
that you feel like you have to perform to do. Whatever puts pressure on you in this world could even be a relationship with someone else that you have to be a certain way. And I want you to invite Jesus into that. And he's there with you as you're doing and going, striving. But then he gently places his hand on your shoulder. And the warmth of his palm spreads throughout your entire body. It quiets your heart. It's nothing like you've ever felt before. And you turn and you meet his gaze. What does his face look like to you? And he gently takes you by the hand and you'll begin to walk together away from that place of striving, away from the place of exhaustion, away from the place of performance. And he's leading you into peace. And he wants to show you something. He's very excited. He's almost giddy like a child. Pulling you into newness. And eventually, you come to a stream. And there's people gathered around. And there's a man in this stream. He has fur. He looks disheveled but he is on fire. He knows a love deeper than you know. And Jesus approaches and asks him something. And eventually you're seeing this man, this wild looking man become subdued and peaceful. And you realize that he's taking Jesus' hand, leaning him back gently, submerging him in water, and bringing him back up. And you notice the light shining, the heavens open. There's just spirit of rejoice and you hear this loud voice that says, this is my son, this is my beloved son. And then Jesus comes, still wet from his baptism, 
And he walks up to you and he takes your hand. And this is what he wanted to show you. He walks you through the grass, down the embankment, into the cold water. And he cups your face in his hands. You place your hands on his wrists. And you look in his eyes. And he just gently shakes his head with the biggest grin on his face. And he says, surrender to me. You are mine. I delight in you. I am so pleased by you. Not because of what you have done. Not because of what you can do. Because you're you. There is no one else. You are unrepeatable. And you are my beloved. And he puts his hand on the back of your head. And he gently leans you into the water. And you feel the cold water surrounding you. It goes quiet. And you come up breathing new life. And the heavens open. And God says, this is my beloved daughter. Do you see her? Isn't she amazing? She's mine. She is mine. And then miraculously you are dry and Jesus is dry and you are walking back to the place where he first placed his hand on your shoulder. And it's no longer a place of being and doing. It's a place of serving and gifting. Because in him calling you his, in him calling you his beloved, you know you no longer have to perform. You get to give of yourself freely because you are so anchored in who you are. The results don't matter. The end doesn't matter. You are his. Wow. That was beautiful. <laughs> God is so good. Oh, God is so good. I hope that mm. you received the look in his eyes, mm. the way he marvels over you, and the way he calls you back to just rest in him. And I hope that that transforms your heart. Mm.
and, and maybe you've had that transformation in the past and it's time to, to receive it again. And sometimes that's a daily reminder every single day. I am his, he is mine. Mm-hmm. I am the beloved. I know whose I am and who I am. Mm-hmm. Because when we know those things, the rest of the world doesn't seem to matter as much. People can come at you with negativity. They can come at you with name calling. And you think, that's not true. Do you remember the story of Esther I told a while ago? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? So this always just rings in the back of my mind. Um, I, I had, like... I felt like I had not done my part in my friendship with her for like a week and a half, you know, just checking in on her or anything. And I'd, I'd gone rogue, I guess. Um, and finally I just messaged her and was like, I'm sorry, I have been MIA. Um, how are you doing? Whatever. And, and, and she just wrote back so beautifully. She's like, cause I had apologized, you know, mm-hmm. she said, it's okay. Jesus told me who I was, who I am this morning. And it's just like, that's what it means to stand firm in your identity yeah. and not let it waver. You don't need to receive it from other people. You don't need to get accolades mm-hmm. because Jesus is going to speak that truth into you. Yeah. And you can receive it from him. Yeah. And that means more than anything else, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that story so much. Me too. Jesus told me who I was this morning. Yeah. Then we're good. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I want to encourage you to invite your guardian angel into this journey in Mother Mary um, because they want nothing but for you to know who you are, whose you are. Mm-hmm. Point you to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, please share this episode with a friend. Um, I received at least five or six messages last week of people saying they were struggling with their identity. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee you there are people around you that are struggling mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And just remind them that they are loved, they are the beloved. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey friends, we would love to hear from you. So you can find us on Instagram. Our Instagram is His Beloved of Texas or on Facebook. And we also have a Facebook group called His Beloved. I will tag all of those in the show notes. We would love for you to join us, especially if you are on this Find Your Fire journey with us. Go to our His Beloved Facebook group and share with us what stood out to you this week. Where is God moving in your heart? What is he calling you to that's maybe new or exciting or different? Or maybe it's something he's been trying to remind you for so long and maybe you're ready to receive it now. Also, one more thing that would just mean the world to us is in podcasting, having reviews and rates on our podcast app mean that other people can find our show. So please, 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 if you listen on Apple or Spotify or Google, go to your podcast app and click rate and give us a five-star rating if you'd like, and maybe a little review about what you love about this podcast, because that helps people when they start searching for Catholic podcasts to find us. Also share with friends. The biggest way people find out about us is because you tell them, and we want as many people as possible to go on this journey with us. All right, guys, see you next week.